0: So I grew up believing boys were better than girls because clearly they kept the baby boy and let me go. Not all adoption work out. Not all adoptions are perfect. But that goes the same for birth families. The first thing she said is, Oh, my Marie, you found me.
1: Lynn spent the first nine months of her life being shuffled around from foster homes before being adopted by a family who had already adopted a little boy. She grew up knowing she was adopted and wondering about her birth mother. Lynn worked in adoption, and she's been committed to making the experience better. She even wrote a book about how adoptive and foster parents can talk to their children about adoption. She had really interesting insights and perspectives. Here is my interview with Lynn. Were you adopted from birth, and where were you adopted from? I was relinquished at birth. I was born in a
0: home for unwed mothers. My birth mother had been shipped to southern Ontario, and so I stayed there because she left and came back, and the workers in my agency didn't have availability to come and get me. So I was cared for the first couple of weeks by nursing staff and nuns at the home for unwed mothers. So a little bit of the definition of abandonment, but but cared for by by the staff there. So that was a few weeks. And then the uh, head sister wrote to the agency, and I quote, was very firm in her letter that they needed to come and get the baby because they needed the cot for other unwanted babies. So, they arranged for a worker to come and get me. And then apparently, there was a big blizzard as she traveled back. So, she was stuck in a hotel. She had to run and buy like formula and all that stuff. So, I think that's kind of a fun turn of events. But she had to run out and do that. And I'm sure that was all fine. And then, that, so because in those days, they would often take a train. So, a train just because it would make it through the snow. Right. So, eventually, I made it back to a foster home, an emergency foster home first, and then a second foster home because emergencies designed to only be a few days or weeks at the most then to a second home where sadly uh, according to my records there was some neglect so some you know a little bit of bruising some just neglect of like you know the baby's scalp in a newborn needs to be cared for mine apparently was just a a rash that kind of stuff so that didn't go well Mm. and then my third foster home just embraced me as if born to her so she had a couple of kids, and apparently the kids loved to play with me. So she had asked if she could adopt me and was told, and I quote her, oh no, they don't let babies be adopted by people who can have children. Wow. So she was quite devastated because she felt that not only did they love us, but I loved them. So I was there for seven months. Hmm. So in the meantime, they were looking for a home, and they had, uh, at the uh, end of the seventh month, they had contacted my mom. had been waiting for a baby girl so she said yes immediately and so then i was placed with her at nine months approximately
1: and did you grow up in the same area that you were adopted from
0: it's about a two-hour drive difference between where my birth mother's family was from and where i was adopted in northern ontario so all pretty much anywhere in northern ontario is a driving distance
1: did you grow up with any other siblings in your adoptive family
0: I did. My parents had adopted my brother when he was two and a half uh, from the same agency. So he was also fostered in the same area I was. And his birth family had been from the same area I was. So he was two and a half when uh, when I arrived.
1: Do you remember how you found out you were adopted? Or was it something that you had always known?
0: So I feel like I always knew, but I have a distinct memory when I was small enough to be helped out of the bathtub and into my mother's waking giant towel. As she wrapped me in that, I remember asking her what, I used to call it a boption. it was a family joke, so what adoption meant again, and she stated that it's when one mother can have a baby but doesn't love it, so gives it to a mother who can. Not a stellar response, but... You know, I was born in 1958, so in those days there was no pre-adoption training, you know, so there wasn't much information given to my parents. There was no guidance, really. So my mom was winging it to the best of her ability. I mean, my brother said that they went to the zoo and found me in a cage, so I think her answer was better, (laughs) which I had to go to her and make sure that wasn't fact, because he was pretty convincing.
1: (laughs) So why did you want to find your birth family?
0: It's just, I think, honestly, an innate curiosity. You know, like, you just want to know where you came from. You know, where did you get your height, your blue eyes, your blonde hair? You know, where where does all that come from? Where did my personality come from? You know, when I was young, I remember both being afraid and excited at the idea that maybe my birth mother would walk down the sidewalk when I was on the swing singing. And she would recognize that, you know, I was a singer like her. Believe me, I can't sing. I was a little kid, so give me that. But I would be there, you know, just belting out a song on the swing and and hoping and fearing at the same time that she would walk down that side. You know, so I just, I think it's just a curiosity that, and not every person who's adopted has that curiosity. I don't think it's a matter of what my adoptive parents, or in fact, any adoptive parents do or don't do. Mm -hmm. I just think it's kind of like smoking, you know, you know, it's bad for you and there's a whole bunch of stuff, but you either do it or you don't. Mm -hmm. Some people will do it and some people will never do it.
1: So you had mentioned you first wanted to meet your half sister that was given up for adoption before you. How did you know she existed?
0: So I, I was raised. So let me just back up. My parents were not given anything in writing. They weren't given much information. Everything they knew was verbally kind of when I was dropped off. So there was a lot going on, a lot of excitement. So they were actually told, my mother honestly believed that the birth mother had given birth to a boy prior to me and that the family had kept that baby boy. And when she became pregnant with me, the family felt that they couldn't quote unquote encourage that behavior. And so they sent her to a home for unwed mothers and insisted that she place that baby on adoption. The true story is that my birth mother had actually given birth to a baby girl also placed on adoption and that the birth mother's mother had had a baby boy a year before. So I can see the confusion, but, I mean, in reality, if my mother had been given a written social history, that would have never happened. So I grew up believing boys were better than girls because clearly they kept the baby boy and let me go. Hmm. And when I found out that my sister was a sister, I can't even describe it. I was just over the moon that it wasn't this you know coveted boy that was kept and I was just like tossed off so I wanted to meet her because she and I I felt we're innocents we're sisters without knowing we exist I didn't even know she knew I existed because I knew because she was born before me but she may not have even known I existed and in fact she had she did not
1: so although you worked in adoption you had to follow the same processes of any adoptee to find your birth family what was that process like
0: Absolutely. So I worked in 25 years in adoption disclosure and adoption and, you know, the whole gamut. And I wrote letters. I was part of the, you know, let's make change in our government. So as the government changes happened, the benefit I had was knowing about them and hearing about them first. That was the, I wasn't given any special privileges because I worked there except to know about the changes. And so when there was a change made that siblings could place their name on a list in case uh, other adopted siblings were looking for them. I immediately put my name, and my sister had as well put her name. So we were matched pretty pretty quickly from a systems perspective. She lives in Western Canada, and I live in Northern Ontario, so it took a while for us to coordinate. We both had you know little kids. In fact, I had just had my fourth, so he was just a newborn when I met her. there was a time when you know when she first came in like I picked her up at the airport I was late of course and we have this tiny little airport so her joke is she was a bit like Carol Burnett where she had to put her feet up so the guy could clean underneath Mm. her feet while she was waiting for me but I had to choose because my baby was like fussy and whatever so I had to settle him so that I could pick her up at the airport and go out instead of bringing her back to I mean I had four little kids so a chaotic environment so I chose that and there were no cell phones back then So I couldn't even let her know. But anyway, she's forgiven me. She never lets me forget about it, but she's forgiven me for that. But I can't imagine in hindsight how that would have felt for her. Like she's, you know, hundreds of miles from home and I'm just not showing up and she has no way to contact me. So it was pretty scary for her. I feel bad about that. But uh, as an older sibling, she doesn't let me forget it either. So, yeah. So then the rules changed. And so we were both registered to meet with birth parents as well. But we could search for siblings. And at that time, you couldn't search for birth parents. Everybody had to voluntarily register. So that rule changed. And we were allowed to search. And so we searched for the birth mother. And when the ministry reached her, she declined. I can't tell you how grateful I am that I had my sister to go through that with me. You know, it's not like she met one of us and didn't meet the other and, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Her rationale, as a a mom, I get it. She had other children. Although her husband knew we existed, her children did not. You know, that was a struggle for her. I, I get that, but obviously it was a very painful time.
1: Yeah, sure. Definitely. So when she passed away is when you were able to meet your other four half sisters. Is that correct?
0: That's right. So what happened was another law changed and we were allowed to get our original birth certificates. So that contained the names of our birth parents. So let me just back up because my birth mother refused to meet us. In those days, we were allowed a secondary search for the other parent. My sister has no information about her birth father, but there was enough for them to search for mine. I'm grateful I I was able to meet him. I met him several times before he passed, and I met his children. In fact, I met his children before him because he, too, was in Western Canada, and his kids were here in Ontario. Adult kids, obviously. So I met them, and I met him. So I had that. Half of my answers were there, but the other half weren't. So then the the rules changed, as I said, and we were then allowed to get our original birth certificates. So that contained our birth parents' names. And so then we knew her name. So respectfully, you know, she asked us not to, so we weren't going to do anything to upset her or whatever. But I also felt when she passes away, then that's... No holds barred at that time. So that's exactly what happened. My sister called me and said, you know, are you sitting down? I found her obituary. And of course, her children's names and husbands and everything was listed there. We didn't jump on the train right away. Obviously, mm-hmm. we gave them time to grieve. But then we did reach out. I think she did it via email and just sent an email, to, found an email address. Oh, I think she found where one of the sisters were. We had always joked that we hoped she had all sons after she gave her uh, two only baby girls away. But she had all, all six of us are girls. <laughs> so she had six girls huh. in her life. You know, then we reached out. And if I recall, because I didn't have the conversation, she did. But the, uh, the sister she reached out to said, you know, you're confirming some weird thing our dad said. So just can you give us some time to, to look into that? And it wasn't long maybe a week when they got back to us and said we think maybe there's some truth to what you're saying so then the door opened and we were able to figure out that we were actually we could prove it we had the birth certificates at that point so then they were extremely open to us and we've met them we have you know pretty good relationship with them we did a reunion of all six of us to begin with and i think that was 2018. We got together at a college. I felt a neutral territory was probably best. And yeah, it was just awesome. There was one weird thing. And that is that they were exceedingly friendly to Lynn, my sister. Sorry, we both have the same name. I should probably have mentioned that earlier. <laughs> Our adoptive parents had both named us Lynn, although you know it's apart because hers is spelt with an E on the end and mine doesn't have one. So just so you don't get confused, Miranda.
1: <laughs> 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 That's crazy. a
0: big crazy. And, you know, it's funny in some ways, but it's also very sad. I it mean, is. that sisters should have the exact same name. Like, introducing her when she came to visit me was just brutal. Yeah. You know, because we got a hold of that... Forget the name of the show, but you know, Daryl and his other brother Daryl, and this is my other brother Daryl. (laughs) I think Bob Newhart, something to do with that. So people would default to that, right? Is oh, it's just like Bob Newhart. And I'm like, no, it's actually sadder than that, but okay.
1: Yeah. You know, of all the names in the world, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, the odds are very slim. So our sisters, when they were, you know, kind of talking about us, because that would have been confusing as heck for them too. They were calling us, referring to us as, uh, I was North Lynn and my sister was West Lynn, so that they knew (laughs) which one of us they were speaking about. Getting back to the actual few hours when we met each other, they were very kind of, I'm going to describe it as standoffish with me and very, very open and friendly with Lynn. So, of course, when you're adopted, there's a little bit of self-esteem, you can imagine, that is easily harmed. And so, of course, I took it immediately personally. You know, it's because I was the second one. I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand what was going on. You know, and here I'm a professional (laughs) who's been to, you know, I don't know, probably a hundred reunions. And this one was just weird. So what happened was I didn't find out for a couple of years, to be honest. I finally had brought up the nerve to say, you know, why were you guys so nice to her and so, like, quiet with me? And they said, you know what? You look exactly like her. Wow. You, you sound like her. The deep voice apparently comes from her. You know, all of that. and I have seen videos. She did have a deep voice, a gravelly voice like me. So they were just so taken aback that I was like a reincarnate of their mom. Hmm. In hindsight, I get it. I just wish somebody would have said something at sure. the time, right? Because literally they would be sitting there just staring at keeping in mind they had just lost her too. Like it was probably less than a year. So that would have been creepy for them. And Once I got the explanation... I felt a lot better, but it really ate away at me for a while.
1: Did you find that you had a lot of things in common with your half sisters? Was it very easy to get along with them?
0: Very easy to get along with them. I think, you know, we're like, we're all parents. We default to that. They're all different. Like all four of them, all six of us have different personalities, but it's funny how, you know, I guess I've used the word alliances are formed. You know, some of us are closer to others. For no apparent reason, either. like, you know, one of them travels, so she's able to visit Linmore out in Western Canada. And, you know, she's more apt to go out there than the others. And I kind of got close to the youngest for some reason. I think we have some medical things that I won't go into, but uh, are common between us. So we can talk because the others don't have those. And so we were able to talk about those. So we had that commonality. All of them are just incredible. Oh, I also met the birth mother's husband, you know, he cried a lot. He's a European man. So he cried a lot in his role in not letting her meet us. He has some remorse there, but he was able to, you know, work it through. So it's funny because every time we go, I haven't, I've only met him, I think, maybe three times, but two of those times, he always gifts us something that he's made. He's a, he's a very talented carpenter. Mm -hmm. Like he made us cutting boards and gave them to us. And then he made us these little trinket boxes. With the trinket boxes, one of the sisters looked over and said, "Uh, dad's never made us one of those.
1: Uh (laughs)
0: you know, with our names on them. And I said, well, you know what, he'd have to know which one of your names it is. With us, it's easy. He just had to put Lynn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of joked about that. But, you know, I said, it's really, it's, um, you know, if, if you're Catholic, it's penance. He's only trying to make up for his role in that, right? Oh, there also was a family reunion very soon after we had met the sisters. You know, if any adoptees are listening and your chance to meet your birth family is at a family reunion, I advise you don't do it. (laughs) not at once. Wow. Can you imagine like all these her brothers, one of them who advised her to give the baby up for adoption and their wives, uh, some of their widows, like it was just interesting, but terrifying at the same time. There was just too much.
1: Yeah. How many too people? Much.
0: Uh, there were probably 50 people.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> at at
0: a little cottage, thank God my family was able to come with me, my kids and my husband. I thought about on my own, like my sister was. But she's close to my family too, so everybody was like standing behind my family, if you will. But it was so overwhelming. So overwhelming.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's so so good that you had somebody to go through all of it with.
0: Yeah, I mean, we partly went because she happened to be in Ontario, my sister, and it happened to be at the same time. So when would she ever get that opportunity again, you know, to meet these? And they're all up there, obviously, because we were up there by the time we met them. Well, in our 40s anyway, so, you know, we weren't spring chickens, and (laughs) neither were they. And many of them have already passed. Of her sister she had like 13 brothers and sisters it was a big family hmm. if you do go bring someone who can just be there with you as you try to absorb all of that
1: yeah like a support person
0: absolutely never go into that by yourself yeah uh, which lynn had but she had us you know thankfully
1: mm-hmm. going back to your birth father did he know about you
0: no no he did not and uh can i share a little cute story about him sure the way he explained it to me is in those times, single men would lend their name to married men. So if the married mm-hmm. man wanted to have an affair while he was awake, he worked for the railway, so they were traveling all the time. He was an engineer or something, so he traveled all, the, all over everywhere, all over Canada. So this is a thing that I didn't know until he explained that. makes sense in a way, right? So mm-hmm. that the married men wouldn't get caught, if you Right. Will. Because the worker that I had for the ministry wasn't very clear with him, he thought that I was conceived in the town with actually it was the home friend with mother's town. So he called. So this is this is how kind this man was. He called me because he would have helped me to try to figure out who the birth father was if it wasn't him. He didn't believe it was him because he knew he'd never had an affair with a woman in that community. Right. When we did speak, he quickly realized when I told him where I was born, so obviously where I was conceived, he knew immediately, like the woman, it, that he had had that affair and that I could easily be his child. So that flipped the conversation real quick, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, adult children himself, and, and in fact, he was raising, the, so he met a woman. The child was born the, earlier in the same year I was, so he was raising a stepdaughter While I was being raised by my adoptive parents. He really felt sad about that.
1: Yeah.
0: Like he feels like had he known, he would have stepped up. And I think he would have. I really do. So he feels really sad about that. And so he's got a stepdaughter my age. Mm -hmm. And then he has three biological children as well. So whom I've met. I said I've met met them before. One of the children has passed, sadly, so I didn't get to meet him. But I met his other son and his daughter. Both of the daughters, the stepdaughter and the daughter.
1: That must have been like crazy before DNA, like all these guys sharing their names and all these kids coming after these single guys.
0: It makes sad sense. But, you know, and in my capacity as an adoption disclosure worker, I've called families and where the the wife has said, oh, you have the wrong number. That can't be, you know, because I just say I'm calling and I have some information. Your husband needs to call me back. Oh, no. Why would he have to call you back, right? So anyways, and uh, some women have hung up on me and the husbands have always called. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because, you know, you hate to be the bearer, but I don't know who knows and who doesn't. Yeah. I work for the government and it's my job to call and that's when adoptees could reach out to their proof parents, like we did with ours. So that was part of my job, but at a municipal level, not at a a higher government level. So that was fun.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Um,
0: I had more empathy though, I have to say, probably than most. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you had mentioned that you had been in foster care during the first nine months of your life and that you got Mm -hmm. to meet your foster mother. Mm -hmm. What was that like and how did you find her?
0: Honestly, for years, I kept bugging that agency to, you know, could you please tell me her name and uh, or reach out to her? Because in my capacity, I had done that. I had reached out to former foster parents and said, so-and-so is looking for you. Are you open to giving your information? I never had a foster parent turn me down. Not once. So it's just a different agency with different rules. But they they wouldn't. And uh, so it drove me crazy. Like, I started very young like in my 20s, just give me her name or call her on my behalf. And, you know, like I've done. So it didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. And then in Ontario, recently the rules changed so we can now get a full vetted file. So they only vet birth family member names. They don't vet foster parents' names. I think I was 61. When I finally got that document, I've gotten documents over the years, but they've all been useless because of just the province's rules. I've written the same documents as a professional too, so so I finally got her name, and it didn't take long to find her. She had moved. I knew she had moved, which was part of the problem why they, you know, couldn't contact her on my behalf because she'd moved. I mean, I found her honestly, Miranda, in I don't know less than an hour. Wow. Yeah. So it couldn't have been that hard. Yeah. And she never moved from this move. Like she moved from where I was born to uh, a community and she has never moved from there. So I called her and my birth name was Marie Yvonne. And the first thing she said is, oh, my Marie, you have found me.
1: Aww.
0: <laughs> wow. Overwhelming. So she's in her 80s. I asked for the name of a daughter or a son or someone that, you know, because I didn't want to just show up there. I felt like that was my mom. I wouldn't want some stranger just knocking on her door. So I reached out to the family and just explained who I was and offered to give proof. And they were fine with it. They were okay. So I arranged to meet and I met her. I think it's probably going on two years now, maybe three. And so I'm five, nine. She is lucky if she's four foot eight. She's this teeny tiny little thing. So she opened the door and you know, you expect someone at eye level, right? Literally looked down at her and she just like, come in here. And just a big hug and cried. But then she, she suddenly got up. We were sitting on the couch kind of chatting, and my husband was also there with me. I, the poor guy, he goes everywhere, I'm going to need some support, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he's a quiet guy, he's fine with it. Off she went into her room, and then she came back out with a handful of photographs of me that are the youngest pictures I've ever seen, because my mother wasn't given any of that. My life started as Lynette Mansky when my parents got me
1: right yeah
0: they were, they were given nothing before that oh except for some clothing which by the time I saw it, it looked pretty rotten <laughs> my mom <laughs> said you know though Lynn, they would send you to your new home they wouldn't worry about the clothing they want to keep good clothing for the kids that are left behind hmm. <laughs> another stellar explanation yeah. by my mom <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but actually when my mom passed about a year ago uh, she still had them so I have them I have yeah. those clothes then she had them in the cedar chest so they're you know safely preserved yeah so i have those today but anyway getting back to my foster mom she showed me these pictures and how she kept those like i said i think i was 61 when we met 62 why do you keep pictures for 60 years of someone you've never seen again like it was such a gift i can't even describe what a gift that was so now i have pictures you know from so i would have been she had me for seven months i would have been about three months old
1: Wow, you must have been really special to her. So that's nice that she got to see you grown up and see that you were okay. Oh,
0: she just kept saying, like, from her perspective, she had waited her whole life for this. Like, it was, I just thought she was doing me a favor, but she felt oh, I was doing her one.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, I mean, her children were fine with it. that one of her daughters, and I kind of hoped someone would be there with her when I met her. But <laughs> she's pretty strong-willed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have to
0: say. She's a, a woman of strong character so we talk you know I call her regularly and she you know just loves to loves to chat she still calls me Marie and you know corrects herself and I, I keep telling her it's fine when you knew me I was Marie I'm okay with that you know I know you mean me yeah so <laughs> it's okay but every time she'll she'll say oh it's my Marie I mean Lynn <laughs> she's cute yeah she's wonderful so I'm hoping to get up and see her again next summer and so that was a wonderful experience Miranda I can't even you know it's hard to describe how that feels
1: yeah that's an awesome connection that you made yeah so do you feel your life has changed in any way now that you have all these family members in your life well so
0: having grown up with just an older brother right having sisters was very cool I thought that was pretty neat you know my life has changed it's been enriched by meeting these women and their families and who I consider my nieces and nephews and they're definitely my sisters and my brother I keep forgetting about Craig oh the other thing is they all live within 10 minutes of each other except for my sister that's out west and one sister that's about an hour away from them so everybody else lives in the same community paternal and maternal Mm -hmm. siblings So when I went down the last time I was there for a week, I spent a week and I met with somebody every day. It was very neat. Like we went out for dinner with the paternal siblings and then I went for coffee at one of their homes. And like that was neat because I always feel like I'm right there. I'm right there, you know, so let's do this. They haven't met each other. I'm hoping for that in the future that we could just all go out for dinner. That'd be kind of neat.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting.
0: Yeah, it would be. So yeah, it's only been enriched. It really has. It's answered so much for me. I think I probably settled emotionally once I had those answers. There was a lot of me that was just angry with my own government for withholding this information from me.
1: Yeah, you could have met them a lot sooner.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think birth mother would have been open to it even because we wrote a letter saying we would meet with her like kind of on the sly and never tell anybody you know we offered her that so she wouldn't have to tell her husband or her kids but she said no to that as well hmm. so yeah but I mean she had her reasons and I have to respect that I now know her through her kids yeah you know now I've seen videos I've seen I call it birth mom in motion <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard her you know I've heard her talk I've seen her walk so I have that which I wouldn't have had without these siblings the generosity of these these girls.
1: So being adopted and working in adoption, you were able to see adoption from pretty much all perspectives. Mm -hmm. So you talked about a little bit being angry with the government, but what are your Mm -hmm. feelings about adoption?
0: Well, I worked as a foster care support worker. And so if you're going to grow up in foster care and age out, and there's nothing for you, compare that to being adopted and accepted as someone's child. You know, not all adoptions work out, not all adoptions are perfect, but that goes the same for birth families.
1: Right.
0: You know, not, you know, their birth families, they've not seen their parents in years. Family is a family, however you arrive at it. And I think that, you know, the problems of being an adopted person are just that. And if you accept that, that, you know what, this is because I'm adopted or might be because I'm adopted, put it where it belongs. And I think you'll do okay.
1: So you wrote a book for children about adoption. Tell me a little about what that process was like for you.
0: When I retired, this I call a booklet. So this booklet was in my head for years because adoptive parents would always ask me, well, you know, how do I tell my kids and when do I tell my kids and, you know, how do I bring that up? And, you know, I had the time on my hands, if you will, and I wanted to make them like a brochure or a pamphlet that they could give to families, but I wanted it to be pretty. So my youngest maternal birth sister is a graphic artist. Her name is Krista. So I reached out to Krista and I didn't mind just drawing me a butterfly and a caterpillar because they're the two things that I would like to use. So she started sending me pages, like with a page number. And then she sent me a book cover and I'm like, okay, stop that. I'm just asking for a pamphlet, right? Because I would send it to her and just say, oh my God. So, so the book became you know just an accidental treasure if you will so the collaboration between her and I we got to know each other so well you know as two women and as sisters because the topic was adoption yeah and the book talks about birth families and it talks about adoption and it talks about kinship you know she learned a lot about the process from me and I learned a lot about what it's like to meet this random kid after all these years so it was a very enriching experience and so the book came out of it, and so the book is designed, I used insects, by the way, because I've read books with kids, and then the kids will say, oh, but, you know, that family has different skin color than me, so it's not really like my family. Mm-hmm. So I always struggled with that, right? And, I mean, it's a fair assessment. So I used insects, because, you know, as far as I know, insects don't really adopt, so <laughs> we're okay. Okay. They won't be able to say, well, that doesn't look like my mom or my dad, because they won't for anybody. They won't look like anybody's mom or dad, but they are part of the story. So that's why I use those. And so the book is designed to talk, not to sit down and read to your child. So say a kiddo talks about, oh, somebody at school asked me about my real mother. Well, there's a chapter on people saying you're real mother and how to discuss what do you call some people call them a tummy mommy you know everybody has their own language for what they call them so they can take out that book and you know read about it to me it normalizes it mm-hmm. it's not just about that child it's about being adopted and there's hundreds of thousands of children that that's the case. And then in between the chapters, I put like a word search and like little activities in between the chapters so that after, you know, the mom or the dad has gone through that, they can just do the activity. They don't have to necessarily go on to the next chapter. And the kiddo might not be ready for the next chapter. And the kiddo doesn't even really know necessarily that there is more about that. So they're just going to get involved in the activity, either get bored with it or finish it and then move on. So that's purposely put in there. So I've experimented like with kids. Like I did a lot of research with that. How distracted are you? Because I happen to have grandkids. So I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. I could use them, <laughs> but they did get easily distracted by the activity and I could then close the thing. And one chapter talks about birth families. One chapter talks about like foster care, that kind of stuff. So, so it's meant as a discussion tool and a resource for families so that, you know, when they say, how can I talk to my kids? Hopefully, if they have a look at the book, that will help them. The book is available in print, hard copy and soft cover. I prefer the soft cover, obviously, because it's more cuddly. The hard cover is just easier to do the activities. It's also an ebook. Mm -hmm. and an audiobook and I did the audiobook because as a worker I had so many great conversations while I was driving kiddos to visit back to foster home from a visit because there's not that sitting across the table pressure so that's why I went ahead and did that so it's out there I hope that it makes a difference also for folks that are listening that are interested in the activity part someone a kin mom said to me after it was published so what if I have four kids and I'm like, oh, crap, I never thought of that. Hmm. <laughs> so I have put the activity pages on my website so people can print them if they have multiple kids and everybody can do their own. The audiobook obviously has audio version of doing it. And frankly, it's just a word search. So as long as you're doing an activity at the end of the chapter, it doesn't have to be those activities.
1: Yeah, that's so. really good. It breaks it down into manageable parts mm-hmm. for kids mm-hmm. of any age. And then it has mm-hmm. something fun so that keeps their interest
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be read out of order as a result, too, based Mm -hmm. on the needs of the child at that moment, which is unusual for books, right? Because books always have a beginning, middle, and an end. And if you go out of order, it's confusing. So each chapter is its own little book, if you will.
1: Was adoption an open topic in your household growing up? (sighs)
0: So when I would say to my mom anything about adoption, she would do the deer in the headlights. She would always answer me, but she was always uncomfortable. And so, you know, you've made your parents uncomfortable. You know the feeling. So you saw. Mm -hmm. And interesting, I just had a discussion the other day with a colleague. I honestly can't ever remember asking my dad a thing, Hmm. right? So I guess it's the poor moms. My mom (sighs) loved my birth sister, Lynn, though, I have to say because see Lynn was never a threat right once she got over the shock of the fact it wasn't a boy and wasn't kept by the family once she got over all that oh she loved her she would ask about her all the time Uh yeah yeah and the birth parents that stuff by the time I found these folks and whatever you know I was a parent myself and some of the stuff I didn't share because really it's not anything to do with them
1: yeah yeah
0: Right. Like my dad didn't need to know that I met my birth father. Mm. What does that mean to him? It doesn't mean anything. So some of that stuff I just kept to myself. My brother also did search and met and, you know, he kept that to himself too. Because, you know, people sometimes don't understand when I say that, but it has nothing to do with my parents. No, My parents are my parents.
1: Yeah. It's just something for you. It's information about you.
0: Yeah, it's about me and finding out more about me as a physiological being as well as an emotional being.
1: Do you think that the book would be helpful to any child who has adoption in their family, not necessarily just those who are adopted? I know when I was younger, I knew my dad and my uncle were both adopted, but I had no idea what that actually meant.
0: (laughs) If there's adoption in the family, I would recommend that a parent have a look at the book. Mm-hmm. You know, because libraries, hopefully I know I've donated them to a number of libraries, if they can get it through the library, I would suggest they do that and have a look and see because I can't say definitively no. It depends on the child's questions.
1: Right. Yeah. Because
0: it does have an explanation as to why some of this happens. Like, why does a kid go into foster care? And then what happens in foster care? What does the foster parent then mean when they've left for adoption? Like it leads to those discussions. So I wouldn't say no, but it was designed for the very specific audience of children involved in adoption and kinship because kinship can be permanent, right? Without the quote unquote adoption ceremony. So it's the same feelings and thoughts. They they still have those questions about their parents, their birth parents.
1: So you just used the term kinship parents, and I was going to ask you, because I haven't heard that before, what does that mean?
0: So that is usually grandparents. So if something happens, so birth mom gets into a lot of trouble in Ontario, a child can be legally placed with their grandparents as a kinship placement, and so they would get like the monies from the government. Instead of sending that to the birth family, that goes to the caregiving family. So it might be an aunt, it might be uh, grandparents, sometimes it's a community friend because they know the child so well so it's to avoid a child going into foster care okay they still stay connected to their birth family but they're safe
1: okay that makes yeah
0: sense. so i'm not sure what it would be called in the united states to be honest
1: yeah but I, yeah i thought i thought, I
0: thought kinship was common to the united <laughs> states as well it might be you know just a a different term yeah there but in the uk they're called kinship carers usually it's a family member but it could be i think you know with like within indigenous folks for example it could be somebody from their their community same with some religions it'll be someone in their religious community who can take on these kiddos which funny little off story to that my mother and my dad were in church and they've had several several miscarriages sadly and there was a someone speaking in church a guest speaker And he talked about adoption and what that was about and what it meant. And so that's how I came to live with my parents, because it was this fellow explaining what adoption does for kids Hmm. that my mom went home and said to my dad, maybe we should look into that. So you never know where you're going to hear something, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, adoption now is, I take offense to, uh, in Ontario, it's adopt a highway. So a group can adopt a piece of highway and clean the garbage from it. So that's a little bit hurtful and the humane society adopting that hurts me every time adopt a puppy you know yeah that's painful but i get it i get it because from people who live and work and breathe humane society a puppy is as important to them as a little orphan lynn was (laughs) so at least i know it's a respectful term certainly more than the adopt a highway
1: yeah they should be able to find some other word to use really i never thought about that
0: yeah i prefer like rehome something like that then yeah adoption but I get it I get that they're doing it in good spirit and it is because they truly love these animals that they are looking truly for an adoption home it's just painful every time I see it yeah or hear it yeah adopt a puppy and -hmm. then I always think of the little kids who are just learning that they're adopted
1: and so did you get
0: me from the humane society mom like I can so see
1: that yeah I
0: can so see that That right
1: confusing yeah Mm yeah
0: Yeah, we're standing in the uh, pet store saying, just
1: like me. Uh, (laughs) I can see it, right? Yeah, yes.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that's a little painful, I have to admit.
1: So I wanted to talk for a minute about your website. Your website's really great for your book, and there's other resources on it as well. And it is whatisyourstorybook.com. And that includes some of the places your book can be purchased. Could you tell me what the places are that we can purchase your book?
0: So you can pretty much honestly get it anywhere. If you just Google it, like Walmart has it. It's published by Friesen Press. It's a self-published. I did that because I didn't want to try to find an agent and market and sell this book. I felt the book was a necessary thing. Once I committed to that it was going to be a book, I paid to have it printed. But honestly, if you just Google the book, I did it the other night thinking you might ask me. <laughs> but yeah, you can really Amazon for sure. I think Google Play, like the audiobook. Yeah, if uh, anybody's interested and they just Google it, you will find it. So the book isn't available in what they call bricks and mortar stores, mostly because stores are now failing, right? Everything's online, everybody orders online. Exactly, folks can order it if they're committed. It's not a bookstore, bookshelf book anyway. It's not one that you go in and browse, if you will. Mm-hmm. There's sample pages. You've probably been on my website, but more recently than me, Miranda, I think <laughs> there's a couple of sample pages on the website, so you have an idea of yes. what it kind of looks like. Yeah. Yep. I think there's some spots in the website that tell you where. I think right at the beginning. Yeah. But, on the uh,
1: page there. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. And the price varies look for the cheaper one do it you guys (laughs) you know or the library and you know what if your library doesn't have it I understand from my local library you can ask them to get it and they will Hmm. yeah some people have told me that they've gone to the library and asked them to get it and they will apparently if you ask for it so there you go
1: so do you have any events or interviews coming up to promote the book
0: not currently but I'm always open to it I love to make presentations the adoption council of ontario three of us three authors were just recently interviewed oh two weeks ago because november was adoption month in ontario so i've done that no i don't have anything coming up i appreciate the opportunity to promote that event <laughs> if there was one you know i did a uh, meet the author at our local library and i knew probably people wouldn't come because adoption is still still what year are we it's still so secretive and people don't want to come they'll come though to the i'll call it the children's aid society because i think that's a common term so an agency they'll come to that because they feel it's confidential so i think i'm going to reach out to my agency and see if I can do a meet the author there but I had one adoptive mom say well I was kind of afraid the birth mother would see the ad and then she would come and see if she could find her kids I'm Mm -hmm. like first of all you weren't supposed to bring your kids (laughs) it wasn't a child event it was an adult event but it was funny right Uh I get it like I do I understand so the secrecy is still the predominant thing so it is hard you know I said to my husband the other day I think maybe I'm going to go you know the craft shows they have like around Christmas, you know, you can sell your earrings and your bracelets. I might just go to that and just give folks an opportunity because it might not be for them, but you know, maybe as a gift if their brother or sister has just adopted. I think it's a great adoption finalization gift. I think there's no better gift you can give for that, right? Because it's the tool.
1: Yeah. You never know where you're going to find somebody that, that it'll help too.
0: Exactly, right? So, and if folks are in the position, if they can buy one and donate it to, like, a, in Ontario, call them early year centers or to an, an adoption agency, you know, and not, not the private ones because they, make their own income but to a you know a a children's aid society that deals with adoption like if somebody has the means to buy them and donate it to a library please do it it's awesome it's not an expensive book but you know that's your definition of expensive versus mine right so Mm. I can never really say that I think it's reasonably
1: priced (laughs) yeah so what advice would you give someone who is entering the journey to find their birth family
0: open mind things happened in a different time you can't judge What you're going to learn, you can't judge by what you know today. You have to go by what those folks' experience was when they made those decisions. Go back, really look, you know, look at, especially with the internet now, search what was things like in 1972, you know, what were the adoption rules? You know, were there homes for unwed parents in those days? Like, you know, go back and look at what society was promoting because that's how your birth parents made the decision.
1: Right. Help you understand a little better
0: hmm Yeah, what they were faced with. I judge you by what I know today, right? You know, your comments and your way of being, I judge that by what we know today. You know, I'll give an example. There's much more financial support for a single parent today than there certainly would have been in 1958. For sure. So in 1972, when I'm looking at my records, I'm thinking, well, all she had to do was get a single parent allowance and she could have moved out of her family's home, right? Because I'm judging by what I know is available in 1972, not Mm -hmm. in 1958. And so you have to go back and research what was the world like, especially wherever your birth, because it should be on your birth certificate where you were born. Mine would be where my home friend went mother's, where she went for that, not my actual place of birth. You know, with open records in Ontario, you now know that stuff. But go back to the time then. Otherwise, you judge too harshly, I think.
1: Yeah, you're right. So was there anything else you wanted to add?
0: No, I just really, I appreciate this opportunity. Adoption is a wonderful thing. And I find more and more people are getting afraid of adoption. There is trauma in adoption. When you look up adoption, you're going to look up trauma. And yes, when your first parent doesn't keep you, there's trauma. It doesn't happen at birth because you don't understand that. It'll happen one day when you understand it. But if your adoptive family is there for you as you go through therapy or help about trauma that's what matters you know the birth family when the, your child's an adult is not a threat they're a curiosity
1: that's actually a great way to put it yeah,
0: right my parents you know knew that I was looking did I give them all the information no nope. you know no I didn't because I didn't want to hurt them and I didn't need their permission I didn't need their support for that particular thing mm-hmm. but where I did I did right because these are my mom and dad I didn't want to hurt them that's that's my mom and dad forever i have birth parents too
1: (laughs) right well thank you so much for letting me interview you
0: uh thank you so much for the opportunity miranda
1: you have experienced an adoption reunion and would like to speak about it, please contact me at what happens after podcast at gmail.com. Also check out the show's Instagram to see pictures of my guests. We're going to take off a week for the holidays, but next time we'll talk to Cindy, who couldn't have expected what she would find when she took a DNA test and what she's actually still looking for. Listen next time to find out what happens after. Happy holidays and thanks for listening.